Good evening. Today is Monday, November 29th, and we are studying the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is Appendix 2, Spiritual Experience, and our speaker tonight is Nancy P. Thank you, Nancy P. Nancy P. Recovered in West Newton, Massachusetts. I love the fact that the term spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are at least um, written in two separate places here because I consider them to be like bananas and hubcaps. Like I don't consider them to be related almost at all. My desperate um, need when I, before I recovered was, of, to, was to awaken. And um, I don't have to worry about gaining spiritual experience. The only thing I have to do with that is wake up in the morning. And, um, and every day presents a new opportunity for, to gain both um, experience and to deepen my surrender. But I can't do any of that unless I'm awake. Like that doesn't happen when I'm asleep. I'm thinking about like at, at night when I'm in bed, you know, like a, a sleeping. Nothing happens to my, to my brain other than that when, before I recovered, you know how the doctor says that, you know, let us, let him stand on the front lines with us and have it take up you know, all of his waking hours and even his sleeping moments. That's what it, you know, my disease was very active even in my sleeping moments because I would have food dreams and food, you know, nightmares or, food, you know, like just awful, horrible dreams about being obese and miserable and all that. So, you know, when I, um, what I needed first was to awaken. I didn't need a spiritual experience. The first thing that I needed to do was awaken. And, um, that happened via surrender. Like I, you know, I always talk about this, but it really was a seminal moment in my, in my whole, and really in, in my life, I would say right up there with the birth of my two children, like delivering them, you know, in the, in the hospital, you know, when I actually squeezed them out of my body, um, it was like that. It was really a sort of a monumental kind of, kind of thing that happened to me when I awakened because when I was eating, you know, we have a king size bed, which I'm sitting on right now. And um, when I was eating at 211 pounds, I would have to wake up and my alarm would go off and I'd have to hoist myself over the bed. I mean, it was like a big deal. It was a lot of work to get over to the side of the bed and, and turn off just to turn off my alarm. And it was, I mean, I'd, I would like turn it off and I never sprang out of bed. I couldn't, but I would sit there and I would think to myself, you know, before I even opened my eyes, I would think one of four questions, like Passover, right? <laughs> one of four questions, except my questions were, or my sort of thoughts were, I wonder if I'm going to eat today, or I hope I don't eat today, or I'm definitely not going to eat today, or it looks like I'm going to eat today. And I would know, like, I, I get cold sores, and if I, before I get them, I can tell when I'm going to get one, get them, because I'll have this little tickle in my, you know, around my nose or near my mouth. And, um, and I know, like, I'm basically screwed if I, you know, if I feel that I'm like, oh, my God, I got to get something to put on it. And when I was eating, you know, before I, I shouldn't say when I was eating, before I recovered, I had that, that sort of, uh, you know, there was nothing to get me out of bed, like nothing, no spring in my step, no joy in my life, in spite of the fact that I, that my life is, in fact, a pretty amazing life. I have a, you know, I have a pretty good life. We all have good, you know, and I think we all have good lives. I mean, they've, you know, I'm like Fred, I have two children of college age, I have a lovely home, I have a husband who loves me, you know, I have a lot of wonderful things that make my life read like a good, 
you know, a good life. You know, you'd want to read it and say, yeah, that sounds like a good life. And it never felt like a good life because there was nothing to drag me out of bed. And I was always those questions or those, those thoughts, those four thoughts, no matter what I thought, 99.999% of the time I would eat. I mean, you know, I live at the bottom of a big hill and I would go to work to avoid the, you know, the lights in the center of our little town square. I'd go up over the hill and then down this other hill and it'd stop at that light and take, take a right. And at the corner was a Dunkin' Donuts. And right after that was my, the place where I got my gas. And I would always stop at the Dunkin' Donuts and get a dozen donuts or a huge box of munchkins, get back in my car and, you know, start eating. I mean, and it would start then. And if I, for some reason, you know, had to go someplace else first, you know, maybe drop something at the post office or something and didn't get, you know, that would be like, okay, another 15 minutes or 20 minutes before I could get to the second place that I would stop on my way to work before I got something. And then once I got to work, I worked at a college at a university and so that, you know, I'd park my car and there were all these coffee shops and that type of thing on campus. And I'd stop at this one particular one on my way to my office and I'd get, you know, breakfast, which I also had packed in my bag. Um, so there was no, you know, like I was like in a coma, in a spiritual coma. I wasn't just asleep. I was, I was unconscious, you know, like, but still alive. And um, so the first thing that Nancy P had to do that I had to do was to wake up. And that happened when I surrendered. And the reason I say that it happened when I surrendered is because, you know, I had tried a lot of things right here are some of the methods we tried, you know, taking a trip, not taking a trip. And I love the one where it says swearing off forever with and without a solemn oath, like the with and without a solemn oath is, oath is called out in parentheses, like that makes it different from the regular swearing off forever. So I did all those kinds of things, except my methods were, you know, more meetings, fewer meetings, different meetings, eat this, don't eat that, eat that, don't eat this, weigh and measure, don't weigh and measure, eat sugar, don't eat sugar. You know, I tried, I mean, I, I tried a couple of different pay and ways. I tried those things. The only thing that I never really flirted with even a little was surgery. But, um, and I never did any of the liquid types of diets. But I mean, I contorted myself into a pretty um, unbelievably tangled mess to try to figure out a way to do anything except what the book said. And when I had had enough pain, which was, as most of you know, when my daughter was, um, when her mental illness, you know, her, her self-harming was at its worst, you know, I was sitting in my car sobbing over my dozen donuts that I had bought on the way home from work that time, um, having just eaten them with my empty box and sugar everywhere and sticky hands, sticky steering wheel. My stomach touched my steering wheel. I was that obese and I was sobbing in my car. And, um, you know, I, I talk about my surrender like it was a, um, a flat screen TV that I strapped to my ankle. Like it wasn't very heavy, but it was really bulky. And, um, you know, I, I called my a friend that I've known for 40 years. She was at my wedding. Um, and, um, you know, I got some help. And it wasn't that it wasn't like that's when I surrendered, but it didn't become operational until I read page 52. And I'll, I'll get to the spiritual experience, but this is like my, my lead up to it. You know, I, and I'm not a big book quoter. I know the pages that mean something to me that, that, that really made a difference in my life. And on page 52, it talks about how, um, you know, our ideas didn't work, but the God idea did. And, and I'm not really into God or anything, but, um, what was really clear to me was that my ideas 
weren't working even a little at all ever and never had you know i was i was beaten bruised and broken and i felt like i had washed up on a on a rocky shore with sharp boulders and had been you know flung against the rock a couple of times the rocks a couple of times and i managed to crawl to shore you know nursing all my broken limbs and just you know crawling onto the beach from like something you know like in the AA 12 and 12 out of the primordial ooze I love that expression but you know I, I felt like that I, I was like I don't know what I'm going to do I but I, I know I'm going to do something different and you know um when I read that in page 52 I thought to myself this could work for you too Nancy this could work even for you. You're not just a loser, you know, fat, dumb, ugly loser mother with a sick daughter and, a, and, and nobody likes you and you hate yourself and you deserve everything you get. And I hope you get more, you know, that's what my, that was the reel that was always playing in my head that I was, you know, that I was that. And, um, you know, of course I had you know, that daughter. And I didn't want her. That was, you know, the guilt that I felt over that. She was broken. And I wanted, I didn't want a broken kid. I wanted a fixed kid that wasn't broken. <sighs> anyway, so, you know, so I, I like had to awaken. And, and once my surrender came, got plugged in and I thought, oh my God, I'm not just going through the motions. I was too afraid to say that I was actually awake, but I, and I wasn't but my surrender became operational. And um, what happened was that I began to apply myself to this process with, um, I would say with, with precise attention. <laughs> I was pretty focused on it and, and nothing got in my way at all in, in, in pursuit of my recovery. And um, I didn't care about the spiritual experience. I mean, I've told this story many times. We were approaching the fourth step. We were ending the third step, going to get to the fourth step. And I was choking on my secret, my guilty secret. And I said to my sponsor, I'm in my room where I am now. We have solid doors. We live in a Victorian. So our doors are like thick and solid. And I'm whispering like, you know, like I'm reading porn. And I said, I don't think this is going to work for me. And she said, why not? And I said, because I don't think I believe in God. She said, well, don't worry about it. You haven't had a spiritual awakening yet. And I was like, okay, she's the crazy one, but I'm going to do what she says because I haven't picked up food. You know, I haven't eaten. And so we, you know, we get through it. And what I found out after the, um, after the fact is that, um, you know, yeah, there was a profound difference. People, I mean, no, my husband has never called me honey in his life, but he certainly did not say, honey, you're unbelievable. You're so awesome. I just think you're so great. And I can't believe the difference. Let's go buy you some expensive jewelry. He like never said anything like that. Has never, ever said anything like that <laughs> and never has called me honey and certainly has never said, yeah, let's go buy some expensive jewelry. But, you know, my one friend who I'm very good friends with, she's a, a doctor. And I was saying, wow, I feel so great. And I haven't really, you know, no one said anything, but I feel really good. And she piped up. She's the quiet one between the two of us. And she said, well, she said, I have noticed that it's actually easier to spend more time with you at once than it was. And I just like, I felt like somebody had lit a match inside of me. I just felt like I was glowing. I didn't say anything. I, you know, I didn't want to draw attention to that because she was almost afraid. It seemed like she was almost afraid to tell me. And what I realized was that I had awakened. 
you know, I had awakened and therefore I didn't have to worry about gaining experience. And the, the good news about surrender for Nancy P is that it, um, it's the gift that keeps on giving and there's always um, an opportunity to do more of it, especially at this time of year. And um, there was one other thing that I like to talk about this. Oh, here it is. Um, with few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource, which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than, than themselves. And the, I love the word tapped because I'm not like, I'm not a beer drinker, but when I was in college that, you know, the parties would be, they'd get a keg and they'd tap the keg to access the beer. Or if you, you know, maple sugar, maple syrup boilers or whatever harvesters, they go and they tap the trees to get the sap so that they can make maple syrup. So, so the fact is, is that, you know, in some countries like the United States have a lot of resources that we can export lumber and I don't know, like computer knowledge and all that kind of thing. And some countries are resource poor and they have to buy all that stuff. And um, so we're, so, so I'm like a, you know, I'm like a rich country, you know, my, my own, like Nancy P is like a rich country. And I have this inner resource that I haven't even thought about. And, you know, the, this, this particular meeting about, you know, choosing your own conception that like bolsters my, um, you know, my feeling of security that I'm going to be okay, that my surrender is real because I got, you know, this meeting celebrates the choosing of your own conception. I mean, I have, from the minute that I ever dialed into this meeting, I have felt completely welcomed in a way that in sort of general Overeaters Anonymous, you know, I assume that I'm welcomed, but no one has, you know, no one's gone out of their way, except when I was a newcomer to, to make me feel welcome. But at this meeting, I feel embraced by everybody that goes to it. I'm not, you know, I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable and or anything, but I, I really feel that way. And so um, it goes on to say here under, under that, it says, most of us think this, this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of a spiritual experience. And I love that because it's, so the word essence is both the root word of essential, so very necessary. And I love it because it's, um, if you wear a perfume that's, you know, essence of roses, they take like a billion roses, they boil them up and they suspend whatever comes left in oil. And that's what you dab on your wrist and you say, oh, that smells like roses. And that's the essence, you know, it's like a scent that you can keep. So it's like this essential thing, the awareness itself, it's a, it's a, it's a sort of the, the, this one point of, of engagement, this one point of contact between awareness and the essential part that I need my very, you know, it's like being aware of myself, something that's in there that I desperately Nancy. need. Yep. And, um, you know, that itself is the power. And how do I define that? I've said it many times, you know, I, I thought, what can I embrace? And I defined it as, you know, trust, compassion, love, generosity, patience, um, steadfastness, dependability, integrity, and, and I reserve the right to change or amend it anytime I want. And since I came up with that, that has become the breath that I take every one. I, I didn't have a white light experience. I had something better. And that is that I live in light and every breath I take is one of light and, 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 um, and this awareness, this essential awareness is the, the oxygen that I need to breathe. And with that, I'll pass.
Amazing, thank you so much, Nancy P. We will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares as this is a big book study Sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone and the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order. Would the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up. All right, first up we have Victoria W. Uh, Victoria, are you there? You're muted. Oh. I think uh, she may have lost connection. So for right now, we'll go to Kristen H. Hi, I'm Kristen, compulsive overeater. Um, thank you so much, Nancy. I really appreciated that. And really, I really enjoy the way that you identify in with your spirituality because it makes me know that um, it doesn't have to look a certain way. And I appreciate that. And I think that, you know, one of the the things that I had when I first came into the rooms is that I was a pretty like devout atheist and I was pretty much like FU religion. And, um, I was pretty headstrong about it, but I was also killing myself with food at almost 300 pounds. And so I didn't, I didn't really care. I was at the point where it's like, you know, I, I didn't make too big of a deal out of it. I just, I just had to plow ahead. I had to try something different. And, um, you know, throughout the years I've kind of refined and improved my, my definition of my higher power. But, um, I think the biggest thing for me is that, um, I can't rest on my laurels. I have to stay, I have to remain in contact and do the work to stay in the light because last year, um, and I loved how you said that thing about breathing in light and being in the light, because that's last year, I really, um, slowly as I was, um, you know, stuff was happening in my life, but then also with isolation from the pandemic, I was just slowly like backing away from that light to the point where it got totally cut off. And I found myself in this cycle of relapse that I'm, you know, trying to break out of right now. So, um, you know, and I think that's important to keep in mind that, you know, it all kind of has to work together that, having a nice concept of my higher powers is all well and good. And, um, but I have to stick with the steps and I have to live in the steps to maintain my spiritual fitness. And, um, I'm on day eight with no sugar and, um, I feel surrendered, but I just, this, oh, this is frustrating. And, um, but I have faith and I'm doing the work. So, Thank you for letting me share. And thanks again for your share, Nancy. Thank you, Kristen. We're now going to go back over to Victoria W. Hi, it's me. Is this working now? Great. Awesome. I'm Victoria W. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and insulin manipulator. So glad to be here with y'all. Um, I had to share on this because when I first came to my 
when I came to my first OA meeting, I somehow missed the fact that it was in a church. I like, but I pulled up to the church parking lot and was like, okay, well, you know, churches have rooms, you know, like where people need to have meetings. Um, then they started reading the steps and it was God, God, God. And I was just like, I just don't want to deal with this. And it wasn't even so much like repulsing to me, but I just, I was like, I grew up in a really small town in the Bible Belt going to church like six times a week and like for hours and hours and hours. And after 18, I was like, I feel like I've done, I feel like I've put in my time. <laughs> you know, I really just sort of had that attitude and, and didn't want to be concerned with, you know, religiosity. But, you know, as luck would have it, I feel like my higher, and I shared this before with some of you, but, you know, I really feel like my higher power was working to help orchestrate some of these things for me to, you know, to help get into recovery, even before I wanted anything to do with my higher power, which I think is just so amazing. Like when I don't want my higher power, my higher power still wants me, which I just think that type of unconditional love, um, is, is really amazing. Um, but so I went to my first meeting and I heard the speaker share about how and a couple of things stuck out to me. They, I heard them talk about eating like I ate. I heard them say that they were recovered. And I thought, oh, so there, there's a program that works. You know, I heard, oh, you can recover. Okay. And I heard that, um, you know, that they shared that they were, you know, a, a strong atheist prior to coming into this program. And I thought, well, if they can, you know, if they can recover and they didn't want anything to do with God, sign me up for that, for that person. And that person became my sponsor that helped me get this gift of recovery, which is so, so incredible. But I think, and, and everybody is different, but sometimes when I get calls from people and they're like, so how'd you get over the God thing? How'd you get up? Really? I think what it came down to was like, I was really just in enough pain. I really didn't care. Like I really just needed something to work. And I love what was shared uh, tonight. Thank you, Nancy, so much again. Just like my way wasn't working. I had tried all of those methods and I what I hadn't tried was this one. And I was even to the point where I'm gonna do exactly what you tell me. I'm gonna follow this exactly to the letter so that when it doesn't work, I can see, say, well, I did my best and I can and I can walk away and go back to the food. Like I really thought that was gonna happen. But honestly, in my heart and my soul, like I knew I was in my final days of things just only going to get worse and worse. Like I had lost that time where you could be like, oh, look, things are okay for a while. Like it was sometimes there were things I'll wrap up, you know, sometimes it was a couple of days between binges, but sometimes it was a couple of hours. And so if that person told me like, hey, go make a shrine to Bozo the Clown in your closet, I probably would have done it just because it sucked that much. Not because I really believed that would work. Um, so I'll, I'll pass with that. Thank you so much for everybody who's on this meeting. Thank you, Victoria. Next up, we have Rich. Hi, everyone. My name is Rich. I'm a compulsive overeater. Thank you so much, Nancy. Um, I wasn't really sure what I was going to get from your lead. And, and then it just really hit home at the end when you said your spiritual awakening was living in the light of the program. I really, really needed to hear that. And you know, I know that this is a strong meeting because I logged on a few couple minutes early hoping to do do a reading so in case I didn't share and all the readings were gone so you know when the readings are gone already by the time you log on 
that people are being of service and really want to recover. Um, so I, I came back from my visit uh, with family. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It, um, I, I guess it went okay. I, I, I'm not really sure. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm just not really sure. Um, and, um, and I'm in a couple other fellowships and I'm really struggling in another fellowship. And I'm, and I'm kind of uh, uh, timid about coming in to OA and, and then uh, um, um, identifying as a newcomer again. Uh, so uh, honestly, and I know that this program is based on honesty because boy, have, have I not been honest in the other programs and it's just it just really backfires and a lot of unnecessary suffering. So uh, I just wanna honestly say, I do not wanna get a sponsor in this program until after the new year, because I'm probably gonna be binge eating and I don't, I don't, I don't really know how this program works yet. So I'm, and I don't know if I can handle it just yet. Um, so anyway, and and lastly, I've I've read the big book a couple of times, and I've been I've been going over and over the spiritual experience and the spiritual awakening, not knowing there was somebody had already written about it. This is the first time I, when you said appendix two, I was like, oh, somebody already wrote about it. Anyway, grateful to be here. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you, Rich. Uh, hi, everybody. My name is Michelle, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater in the Windy City, Chicago. Thank you to Carmela for being my Team Monday buddy this uh, month of November. Um, and thank you, everybody, for, be here, for being here. Um, Nancy P., your share was just fire. Um, and I was, I was so excited that you were sharing today. I heard I actually heard um, your share on vision this morning. And I, you know, I could listen to you talk about surrender all day long. I, I really could. And your experience in talking about this process of needing to be awakened first, to, to wake up so we can receive the spiritual experience. This is the first time that I realized, oh, wait a minute, that's what happened to me. I didn't realize that you were explaining my spiritual experience tonight until I realized, yeah, I, I woke up first. Um, I love, I, I just, I really received the message when you talk about surrender of, of really needing to surrender. I had spent years in Overeaters Anonymous trying to find this serenity, trying to achieve the promises of recovery, telling myself, yeah, I, I have the promises. Do I have the promises? I'm abstinent. Am I abstinent? And not really understanding, like, is this really what the hoopla is all about? Because I'm not getting it. And similar to what you shared, I, I hit a moment. Um, we had a death in my family coming up on a year uh, in December. And it knocked me into a whole new reality. And I just think about sometimes we need those knockings. Sometimes we need to be literally, we need our higher power to come in and say, guess what? You, something's got to give. We, you got to experience something different. It can't be Michelle's way anymore. Um, there was one other thing I wanted to comment on. Um, Oh, 
There was just uh, something I also related to as well when you were talking about um, the donuts and driving through. And for me, that was one of my kryptonite pieces as well. And I realized when you were sharing that there is a behavior that I've, I have not done in my recovered state 